catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Africa has by far the most rapid urbanization rates in the world, and this isn't happening without influence in agriculture. Cities have also become the largest and fastest growing agric markets on the continent with between 200 to 250 billion dollars per year in food sales and according to a new report more than 80 percent of these sales come from suppliers in africa the single most talked about topic on the continent and globally in 2020 is the novel coronavirus which revealed the need to improve farmer access to urban markets as well as other major issues plaguing the volatile agric sector across africa a cursory look at this year's Africa Agricultural Status Report, which focuses on feeding Africa's cities, opportunities, challenges, and policies for linking African farmers with growing urban food markets, are five areas that can improve farmer access to these urban markets are highlighted. Today, and even more so tomorrow, Africa's rapidly growing cities and food markets offer the largest and fastest growing market opportunity available to the countries and the continent's 60 million farms, which is one half of these farms involving young people, contrary to widely held perceptions around. Our core commitment to smallholder farmers must now focus on urban food markets to position domestic suppliers as competitive, responsive, and safe, to provide the right signals and inputs to those markets and continue growing opportunities for young people in the agriculture sector. The World Bank, in a recent report, said that 60% of African countries are likely to see increased agricultural employment by 2035 due to the AFCFTA. The World Bank estimates that by 2036, agriculture will account for more than 50% of total employment in several East African countries, including Kenya, Ethiopia, Uganda, Tanzania, and Madagascar. These predictions further show that North African states will shift more towards manufacturing and services, while many in Sub-Saharan Africa will be placed to become food production hubs due to favorable climates. Wages for unskilled workers are expected to grow faster in these nations, and intra-African trade in agriculture will be key and will likely increase by 49%, according to another recent study. In summary, the AFCFTA aims to facilitate intra-regional trade in agri-food products and significantly increase intra-African trade over time as barriers to trade, including import tariffs, non-tariff barriers such as custom delays, restrictive licensing processes, and certification challenges are addressed. Will this agreement also be a happily ever after for smallholder farmers in Nigeria, or will it not? To discuss this, we have an agricultural extension and rural sociology experts, an agribusiness development, an agricultural extension lecturer, and an operations manager for a tech company. He's also the CEO of Lanche Farms Nigeria Limited. He's popular on Nigerian Twitter as Ninja Farmer where he freely gives advice on key areas in the agric sector. Akin Tobi Olarinwaju, welcome. How are you doing? Fine, good morning. So let's get straight up into the discussion today. Nigeria has some agric products which stand out in Africa and can prove a turning point if we make Africa a major market. 
do you think Nigerian farmers can produce for the African continent, considering the fact that we still haven't fed Nigeria? I think Nigeria cannot feed the whole of Africa. To answer that question, I think it's no. And the reason for that is, if you look at the Nigerian agricultural space, most of what we produce, it's not even enough to feed the 200 million Nigerians that we have. Especially that we have 70% of our agricultural producers being in the subsistence sector. So, and then if you look at the way we cover up for the deficit in the production sector, we import more of what we consume. And then if we are an import-dependent country, there's no way we can feed the whole of Africa. Because even ourselves, we are not producing enough to feed ourselves. So in that aspect, if you look at the number of subsistence farmers in Nigeria um, that are producing less than three hectares of land uh, to feed over 200 million Nigerians, it is not doable. It is not possible that we feed the whole of Africa. In some aspects of crops, like granite, like beans, that we export to some countries, some neighboring countries, even though we still export some of them to neighboring countries, we still do not have enough. And the reason why we still export some of these produce to neighboring countries is because the Nigerian markets, they subchange the farmers in the sense that the pricing system for farmers is very low. And then farmers look at a better way to sell their produce, which is trying to sell to the international markets to get more revenue for their efforts. And so we do not have enough input, we do not have enough mechanized farming to even feed ourselves, not to talk of feeding the other African countries. Thank you. According to the Africa Agricultural Status Report, about 80% of all food reach urban areas in Africa through wholesale food markets. And this comes from millions of farmers, especially in rural areas. These urban wholesale food markets are the heartbeat of supply systems for the millions of farmers. But this system was disrupted in 2020 due to the COVID-19 and how volatile the system is. These systems are even still recovering. In your opinion, will the volatility of these smallholder farmers be taken care of with the Continental Free Trade Agreement, which started on the 1st of January 2021? And if it will be, how do you think it will be done? I think the... Volatility of the small-scale farmers that made up the highest amount of um, farmers in Africa, I think it is going to be more worse for them rather than positive impact. The reason why I said it's going to be on the negative side is because many of these farmers do not have the right input for their production, right? And then when you don't have the input that you need to improve production, it is going to affect your productivity at the end of the day. If you look at the volatility when it comes to the pandemic, the last year COVID-19 pandemic, you can see that many of these farmers recorded losses because there was no preservation techniques for them and even the logistic bottlenecks. All of these affected them. And the farmers recorded a huge loss, even compounded with the climate change factors that has come to stay. Many of these farmers are the losing hand. This Africa Trade Zone Agreement will help Farmers that have easy access to inputs. In Nigeria, farmers do not have access to production inputs. Look at fertilizer, for instance, seeds, for instance, even land. They do not have access to all of these important inputs, even capital and loans. 
they do not have access to all of these inputs. And then if you look at all of these inputs, they make up the productivity of the farmers. If they don't have access to all of these inputs, how will they produce enough? Now, for this free trade zone, these agreements will help farmers in areas, in countries where they have access to inputs. So at the end of the day, there will be like an imbalance in the productivity of some farmers in some countries or in some regions compared to the others. And when you have an imbalance, that means this free trade zone is going to benefit others and put others at a huge risk. So I think if this free trade zone is going to benefit the small-scale older farmers that made up the major supplier or producer of our food, what we need to do as we have this free trade zone to ensure that we use tariff and then import duties for all of these agricultural production, we need to improve or increase their productivity in the sense that we need to provide input for them to be able to produce efficiently for the people that we consume and in these zones so that we don't have an imbalance in some regions producing enough food and some regions producing a very low food and putting them at risk or, or pushing them out of business. So you work with several farmers in Nigeria and you have hands-on experience dealing with them. If these continental free trade agreements will work, what will be the most important step to be taken by policy makers to help these small-scale farmers? See, in West Africans, for instance, if you look at the cocoa industry in West Africa, West Africa produces over 60% of cocoa across the world, right? And from the cocoa industry, we have about $10 billion cocoa industry. From the revenue, from this cocoa and chocolate industry, the African farmers only make 6% of the revenue from this cocoa and chocolate industry. You can imagine, out of the 100% of the chocolate industry, the West African farmers that produce over 60% of the cocoa used across the world only have access to 6% of the revenue from the chocolate industry. You can imagine you producing the highest amount of cocoa and having only 6% um, revenue from the total revenue from the chocolate industry. That is like working and not even making anything. You know, So for these farmers to be able to at least get value for their efforts, the World Trade Organization, or let's say the African Trade Organization, needs to, you know, help them with processing facilities, right? If they can, you know, add value to their cocoa, add value to their products, they will get enough revenue. They will even get revenue for, good revenue for their effort. And getting this revenue, it will also help them to improve the poverty situations in those rural communities. And then even for the next planting season, they will have enough capital to able to you know improve or increase their production that is one aspect the second aspect is the provision of input for these farmers if these farmers the majority of them do not have formal education right and then you need extension services there are a lot of researches on them shelf that has not been even passed across to the farmers how do you intend these farmers to improve productivity without even extending researches extending good production practices to these farmers many of these farmers they are still engaging in the old ways of production and now you cannot continue the 19th century production practices for the 21st century mouth now the, the population increase is an alarming rate but the production the food production is still going down slide if you look at um, climate change is affecting them lack of input is affecting them even extension services is a problem so you need to improve your extension services to all these farmers. That is one aspect. Also, production of inputs. Capital is very important. 
you can see that the COVID-19 actually pushed some people out of business. But these people need capital to be back in business, to you know, continue production practices. You need to give these people loan, soft loan that we actually help them to you know come back to production. And then the practices, even from research, the process involved in getting this loan is so tedious. And many of these farmers, you know, just give up because they cannot, many of them do not even have formal education. And then you want them to go through all the process of filling form, getting um, collateral and all of these things. Government and even bodies need to provide these farmers with soft loans. Give them access to inputs, seeds, give them access to fertilizers. You know, when you talk about the sustainable farmers, they produce um, under 30 hectares of land. You cannot feed these people with sustainable agriculture. You need to improve them, move them from subsistence to mechanized. So now that's where mechanization of agriculture comes into, into play. And it gives you more output per, per cost. So all of these, for smallholders to be able to at least benefit from this free trade, free trade zone agreement, they need to have access to quality input. Thank you. Yeah, so one major point to note in this agreement and in the conversation we've been having is that Nigeria has some comparative advantage in a number of goods and agri-products. And we've seen a lot of agrotech startups try to either feed the country or connect small farmers to a bigger market and do agricultural extension and solve other related issues. Now, with this agreement in place, which is supposed to liberalize trade and make goods and products and services of a Greek move a lot more seamlessly across the boundaries of Africa, what's the place of agrotech or agritech startups and the middlemen in driving this conversation of moving the smallholder farmers from subsistence farming to a bit of mechanized farming? I think the agrotechnology companies they have come to stay. We have seen an increase in um, innovations in agriculture, especially in Africa. And then I'm very grateful for that. That really helped the subsistence farmers and even the small mechanized agriculture that we have. Now, with this innovation, we'll be able to improve productivity. Now, for this free trade zone agreement, it comes at the right time because for these agrotech companies, they will have access to other markets. They will have access to other challenges facing the agricultural sector in Africa. And with these um, free trade zone agreements, having access to all of these markets, we give them more opportunity, more initiatives, more innovations to be able to solve this problem. If you look at the agricultural problem in Africa, it is more related in the sense that many of them are subsistence. And the reason for that is because they have they lack access to inputs. Now, with these agro-technology companies coming into play, it will also help them to, you know, have like a, a critical mass of all these um, productions. Many of these agro-tech companies are into solving the logistic bottlenecks in terms of agriculture. And when they have all these kind of technology innovations coming in to solve a, a bottleneck, it will also help the small older farmers from producing for the local markets to producing for the international market. And it will also help their produce in order for them not to get waste. Because uh, in Nigeria alone, 60% of the crop produce gets wasted because there are no proper processing facilities and then logistic bottlenecks for moving on crops to the from the farm to even to the consumers. So with these agrotech companies, they will come in to help solve that problem. We have some agrotech companies coming in to 
help with having like a cold room van where you put your vegetables from harvest and then it's actually preserve them from the local area from the rural area to the center of areas where they get consumed so with this agrotechnology companies help solving preservation and then logistics it will help the farmers right and also the middlemen now that it's a free trade zone businesses can logistics and even wholesalers or middlemen can move from one zone to another without independence. So they can move from this place with agricultural produce to the other place to move agricultural produce from areas of high production to the areas of low production. And I think agriculture communities, um, they have a lot to do in helping local subsistence farmers in Africa. Yeah, so while we were discussing at first, we talked about the fact that border posts, checkpoints, cost and everything like that increases the cost of moving food across Africa. And then you find out that foreign exporters, such as Europe or Brazil, they can ship their food directly to any African port or city with little or no checkpoints. And the local producers are at a disadvantage. But then the Africa Free Trade Agreement will help to solve this problem. But then something else comes up. The fact that agricultural ministries direct food and agri-policies in Africa and as countries urbanize, we have political holders and appointees, district council headers, trader organizations, public health professionals. All these people seem to hold some power in crafting agricultural policies. Now, in Africa, in a place like Nigeria, these patchwork, as I'll call them, of different agencies are not fully in sync with themselves. And most times they are poor resources to even carry out their functions. Are you positive that the free trade agreement, though it is good, that the failure of governments and policymakers will not affect this free trade agreement, especially the smaller farmers who are not part of decision makers but bear the brunt of the decisions and policies? Let me start with the input from the outside Africa to Africa and then movement of produce within Africa. If you look at Africa alone, we can do as much as we can. And because of our low productivity, if you look at even maize, even cassava, many of our produce in Africa, we have low production to per hectare compared to the Eastern, the, to the Europe and then other to the Asian um, continent. And then they design their export process or logistics to make it easier for their middlemen to export to other continents without problem. And they are more organized. You know, the system is very integrated such that to move vegetables from Europe to Africa, it costs it less, right? And they get the foreign exchange that improves their economy. But if you look at Nigerian, for instance, so I'm, I'm, I'm using Nigerian as an example for the African countries. Let's say to move yam, or to move maize from the northern Nigeria to the southern Nigerian Lagos, from Katsina to Lagos, cost more than to import from China to Nigeria. So even movement for, of produce within Africa cost more than importing from China to Nigeria. And if you look at businessmen, they want to get more value for their money. They want to get more money. And then they will go for the cheaper alternative. And that's why you have so many imports coming in and to the detriment of the local producers. So with these three trade on agreements, Areas where you have lots of high productivity can be moved to areas of low productivity. And we are looking at 1.2 billion people, you know. So I think this future zone agreement is a good initiative 
if proper procedures and steps are taken to you know to improve uh, the local producers to to increase their productivity and then we are looking at in the next few years this trade will almost amount to 35 billion dollars if all of these processes are put in place so it's a good opportunity for the local producers and then good opportunity for the african countries importers and exporters so we can improve our economy the african economy we can also be able to you know feed ourselves now africa is good with agriculture and this is a good time to have all of these things but when we look at the for well, the policy makers you know in agriculture we have something we call the integrated policy formulation now what we mean by integrated policy formulation is people that the policy we affect the most they are part of the policy formulation committee especially the farmers so you being a non agriculture or your non farmer it is wrong or it soon really speak well if you formulate policy for farmers that we use this that we have the brunt of this um, policy and so the policy makers in africa they excluded the farmers the farmers know where they wear the shoe they know where it pinches they need to be part of the formulation committee they need to have a say in what we affect their livelihood in what we affect their um, socioeconomic characteristics but these farmers are being left out so it is very important that we encourage the integrated policy formulation where you have farmers being part of the policy makers so it is very important and then we have something we call top down approach and the bottom up approach top down is when the people in power in offices formulate or bring in innovations or bring in interventions for farmers that are the lower scale of the food chain i think that top down approach needs to stop i think the bottom up approach needs to come into the focus where you have farmers and all the stakeholders in agriculture sitting down and developing interventions that we have help them in their productivity so this bottom up approach needs to come into focus and when you have people from different sectors of life you have bankers you have um, health workers formulating agriculture formulating policy for agriculture i think it is very very wrong these people just they need to be around the policy formulation to enforce quality production like the health workers they shouldn't be part of the policy formulation like for policy makers they need to be part of the enforcers to ensure that the production is of top quality and so i think they need to look into people that are making this way policies for farmers thank you yeah let's look at agricultural research and technological improvements how cost effective will it be in africa to mix agricultural research with tech development considering the current financial situation investment in agriculture is a long term investment so it is not a short term investment and if you're looking at um, investing in mechanized agriculture it is not a small capital that you have to spend but the thing there is when you invest in all of these it affects last decades and you cannot improve production without mechanization in agriculture you cannot leave the fate of your food production in subsistence farmers if you really want to you know have quality production if you really want to have a reduction in price of produce you need mechanization and governments should invest in mechanizing agriculture because that is the only way we can ensure high productivity investment in mechanized agriculture if you look at um, now we have soilless farming where you don't even need the soil for agriculture and then we have agritech companies innovators that are you know bringing this into the mainstream and if you can invest in all of these 
Then you can also have urban agriculture, where you can, you know, even at the backyard, your backyard farming, uh, where in your, your own house, you can grow what you eat. We have yams that are growing in here. You don't even need soil. So if you invest in all of these and make it affordable for people, you know, I, I think um, Africans, we are agri-oriented. It's like agriculture is a part of our lifestyle. And many people will want to go into agriculture if the alternative or if the process is being subsidized. If you don't have to spend a lot of your income on having a backyard farming. So with all of these innovations in agriculture, if government can improve these innovations, invest in these um, companies to make it affordable for people, then even from the as the rural um, farmers are producing, even the urban centers, you can also produce. So it's a long-term investment that will actually benefit the Africa trade zone because we won't rely on the rural farmers. And even for us living in the urban centers, we can also produce what we eat. And that will also improve productivity across the board. Yeah, let's look at the challenge of quality assurance, control and standardization. Because no matter how we want to really buy African and sell what we produce and eat what we produce, we also need it to be of high quality and we need to be standard. But Africa has the highest per capita rate of foodborne illnesses in the world. And the top concerns include their, this poor animal husbandry, poor butchering practices, overuse of pesticides and other bacterial and fungal diseases. With the burden of trying to catch up with the effects of the pandemic lockdown, which is mainly on farmers and on agribusinesses. And considering the fact that the people responsible for ensuring these things that are done well are under-resourced and overstretched, how do you advise we go from here to make sure we achieve that standard? I'll give an instance. In Nigeria, we spend billions of dollars to import egg powder, right? And this egg powder is using um, yogurt, it's using um, noodles, it's using so many sectors, even in cosmetics, right? Why didn't we, you know, buy from the local market? Because the quality of the egg white produced in Nigeria is low compared to the one imported because of the antibodies used in, in the egg production. It affects the quality. And now, even the Poultry Association of Nigeria, you know, in as much as the government helps to improve the quality of production, this farmers association, they also need to do a lot in educating their farmers on the best practices. We have some pesticide that is causing the after effects on the crop causes cancer, causes Parkinson's disease. But this pesticide in Nigeria has not yet been found. Why? Because the health organization uh, um, sector of the government, they are being slow to enforce all of these. So if you look at the egg powder sector, we import because the quality is low. And this association needs to also empower or even educate their farmers on the right practices. That is, for instance, if you look at pesticides used in ag agriculture, many after effects of these um, pesticides are not even okay. They are even um, detrimental to, you, um, to people, to consumers' health. All of these, they need to have serious concerns from the government. But now when we say these um, people, the health organization, or health management sector of the government, they are overstretched. Many of them are not even doing the right job. If you go to slaughterhouse, you always have a health management office there. What are they doing? We've been clamoring for a ban in one of the places that are used in Nigeria, but we've not even got, we've not gotten the results for the past three years. Because the after effect is not, you know, is not uh, detrimental to consumers' health. 
but many farmers in this rural region do not even have the understanding, they don't even have the, the information. And they continue to do all of these, to use this um, pesticide and these antibiotics on their poultry, you know, to at least to get good value for their efforts. And it is detrimental. And these farmers are the ones rely on to produce the majority of our food. And these farmers do not even have understanding of the right production practices. So I think if we can even privatize the health management sector of the economy, that will go a long way in even helping farmers, put farmers at check. We cannot leave the fate of our food to businessmen. Businessmen will always want to get reduced cost for high productivity. So we cannot leave the fate of our food to the hands of businessmen that want to get more money for their produce. And so we need to ensure that proper management, proper enforcement are put in place to help these farmers, educate these farmers on the right production and management practices for their animals and for their crop. Without that, we'll still have um, a recurrence in the food poisonings across, the, across Africa. So we need to educate these farmers if we can privatize this health management sector of the government to increase their productivity, to increase their enforcement, to ensure that we have good food across Africa. Thank you. Wow, I wish we could continue with this conversation, but time is of essence. And of course, Agrik is like, uh, it's very, very large and the conversations will just keep spilling and spilling into other areas. Food is yeah. very important because... Now, person we chop goofy talk. We've been speaking to an agricultural extension and rural astrology expert, an agri business developer, an agri extension lecturer, and an operations manager for a tech company. He's the CEO of Lanche Farms Nigeria Limited. He's popular on Nigerian Twitter as Ninja Farmer, where he freely gives advice on key areas in the agri sector. No other person but Akintobi Olarewaju. Thank you very much for the conversation, for the time, and for the insights. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Yeah. So no matter how and where we take a look from, Africa must take advantage of one of its two major resources, which are human resource and agriculture. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.